0: Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 4, Term 3. This is Lesson 25. We are going to continue where we left off. Uh, We're in Chapter 15 and page 24. However, what I want to do is just very quickly uh, go back. Not all the way back, because it's too far to go back. Uh, We'll head back to, I'm thinking, verse 37. That's uh, page 19. So I'm going to start there. Remember, Jesus is talking about all the witnesses concerning himself. Because they said, you know, if you bear witness of yourself, you can say anything about yourself. And so we've been going through a whole series of things that Jesus was bringing out. And I just want to pick up in verse 37 in John chapter 5. And this is on page 19. He says, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard His voice at any time, nor seen His form. So, he's saying, first of all, that they don't have a relationship with God Himself, which is a very bad thing for people that are meant to be believing in God and leading other people to God. Okay, and then we go to verse 38, which is on page 22. He says, But you do not have His word abiding in you, because whom He sent... Him you do not believe. So that's the reason why I went back to that verse, because it's still now relating back to God. Amen? And he's saying you do not have His Word abiding in you, and therefore when He sends someone, you can't even recognize Him, basically, is what He's saying. You do not believe. We're going to verse 39, which is on page 23, the next page. He says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Now, something very... Uh, important there is that remember Jesus says He's the one that can give eternal life. So he, there, he, what He's doing now is contrasting something because we need to be careful with this because you know people say, well, isn't it the Scriptures that cause you to get saved and born again and so on and so forth? Yes, they do. However, the Scriptures talk about Jesus. It is not words that cause us to be born again it is the person behind those words and what the words the person that the words are talking about that you know has that miraculous effect on us so that's the reason why Jesus says here he says you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but he says these are they which actually testify of me so if you're going to read the scriptures devoid of Jesus he's saying if you're reading it without me in mind, then you're missing the whole point of it. And the life that it's meant to give isn't there because that's me. <laughs> I'm the, you know, here's the life standing in front of you. Right. Remember again, John talked about that before. Alright, so now we come to verse 40. And, which is the reason why Jesus now says it in verse 40. And we're on page 24 at the bottom of the page. Alright, and this is where we're going to pick up today. He says, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. So you can understand why he's saying that now. Amen? He's saying, listen, you, you think you have life in the scriptures, but the scriptures speak of me, and you're not coming to me to give you life. So here again, I'm on page 25 now, here again we see the result of an unwilling heart, and that is spiritual blindness. When people are unwilling, they become blind. Remember we saw that in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4 something or another. Okay, which talks about the God of this world blinding the eyes of those who do not believe or will not believe. Amen. So again here we see the result of an unwilling heart. And, and that is spiritual blindness. So Jesus basically saying in this verse, In your hardness of heart, you have basically rejected the Son of God. Did you get that? Okay, so he's saying, this is the thing. Because your heart is hard you have on, on a very foundational level rejected the Son of God. All right. Leon Morris, in looking at verses 39 and 40 together, writes, Had they rightly read the scriptures, they would no doubt have come to recognize the truth of his claims. But they read them with a wooden and superstitious reverence for the letter. I love the way he says that. All right. And they never penetrated to the great truths to which they pointed. The result is that in the presence of Him whom the Scriptures bear witness, in the presence of Him who could have given them life, they are antagonistic. <laughs> okay? So, you know, because they aren't looking at it with, with the hearts that are searching and hearts that are tuned into God... And this is a very key thing, you know. Um, One of the things that I I know we can study the word two different ways. I've seen people do that. There are the scholars, there are the professionals, there are the ones that will look at things and break things down based on words and sentences, and you know what the Greek and the Hebrew is saying and all that, which is which is awesome. And don't get me wrong, I, I love that, but. However, there is a spiritual application to all of this as well. It is a living word. It is a word that is meant to be speaking to us and giving us life as we read it. And that does not happen when you're when all you're doing is pulling it apart and dissecting it constantly, amen. You know, just to get more meaning out of it, but not apply any of it to your life and speak to God about how it applies to your life. Uh, And that's the difference between uh, people that are, uh, you know exegeting scripture is a big word, isn't it? Uh, who are dissecting scriptures. <laughs> I'll use normal words. Okay. And those that are looking for revelation in the scriptures. Now, I, I, I like to do both. Just to let you know. Okay. I'm not in one camp or the other. I'm in both camps. Because I think the first thing that needs to be done is what we're doing. We pull it apart. But then we need to say, all right, how does this apply to us? You know, now we know what the scriptures are actually saying. The, the reason that that's important to me is because in the past... Give me one second here. Okay, in the past, um, people preached scriptures and based some tremendous revelation on scriptures that the scriptures actually didn't say that. And that's, you know, that's really uh, deflating because you get all excited about something and find that it didn't actually say that. Now, what I found out later on was some other scripture actually said that. So the truth was right, but the application, you know, the scripture that it was uh, drawn from was wrong. You know, and then the devil can play with you on that, man, he, you know he can really mess around with you, and your mountains aren't moving anymore. you know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> okay, and so th- so I thought that's it. that's never going to happen because I got sort of pulled up a couple of times, uh, I was preaching stuff that I'd heard my favorite preachers preach, hello, okay, and I took them at their word, and I shouldn't. I, I learned not to do that. I learned to go and study for myself and find out for myself what the scripture's actually saying. Because I realized one day, huge revelation. They don't know everything, and neither do I. By the way, (laughs) okay, all right. So, um, and and that was really the the the, the turning point in my life when I thought, okay, you know what, we need to know the scriptures because there are people that are laughing at us, uh, not because of the power aspect, but because where we're getting it from. And a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, actually said that to me. He said, you know. You, you you guys walk in the power of God. You know he didn't say those words, but that's what he meant. But he said you base everything on the wrong scriptures. You know he said what you say you get this from isn't where it's. You know that scripture doesn't actually say that. So I took that to heart as well. And and after you know a couple of times getting my fingers burned so to speak, uh, I decided all right. You know what we are going to study this and we're going to find out exactly what the scriptures are saying so that when we apply it and when we get revelation knowledge on it, it is it's based. On a rock. A solid foundation. Amen? Alright. So, so, what we're doing here. See, Jesus said He came to fulfill all the, the, the prophets and the law. Everything. Every every jot and tittle. Remember that? Okay, which means that He could nitpick with the best of them. Which is what He had to do with the Pharisees. That's <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? And he would defeat them every single time. So it's important that we do know how to, how to kind of nitpick around things so that people aren't lost and, and, and uh, uh, get into error okay, in what they're believing based on certain scriptures. And then criticize us, you know, saying, Oh, see, the scriptures don't actually say that. So you need to be able to say, actually, they do. You need to read this in light of this one. Then it all makes sense. Are you all with me? Um, classic cases when we were looking at, uh, you know, the the life of John, for example, and it in one gospel it looks, if you read that gospel and that gospel alone, it sounds like as soon as John was arrested, then Jesus started his ministry. But when you go and read another gospel, which was uh, the Apostle John's gospel, when you read his gospel, we find out that no, Jesus and John the Baptist were baptizing together at one point. They had parallel ministries. And only after that, John gets um, imprisoned and so on and so forth. Okay, And so that's why I'm saying, you know, you have to be really careful. Somebody might say, oh, that never happened. Then you need to say, yeah, but it also says. Remember how Jesus had to say that? You know, the devil said, oh, it is written. And he says, yes, but it's also written. And we need to know that. So that's the reason why, again, we're going through all of this. And it's really important that you understand all this. And also what I want to bring out is that, you know, these Pharisees, it wasn't a bad thing that, were, that they were looking into the Lord in such great detail. The bad thing was they didn't go the next step and apply that to their life and talk to God about the Scriptures. And so that when the Scriptures, the Word of God, came up to them, that they didn't recognize Him. Because they would have, because they would have said something, and Jesus would have replied in some way that would have raised flags on the inside of them, and thought, "Whoa, we never saw that before. Where'd you get that from? How'd you get? How'd you get to that spot? You know that that actually makes sense. You know, we've been baking our noodle over that forever, and here you are, straight away, boom, we're there. Remember what the the, the woman at the well? Remember?" She said, you know, our ancestors say, this is where we should worship. And, you know, the, the other ones say it should be over there. Which one's right? He said, neither. <coughs> Amen. He said, from now on, you're going to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Not in a place. Amen. See, there, there was it. That was the answer to that question. Age-old question. There was the answer. And that's what should have happened. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm preaching a little bit here because I just need you to get something that needs to be preached a little bit, you know. Uh, Jesus, that, that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, man, you, you are going to the Word, but when the Word comes to you, you are rejecting it. What does that say about your religion? Amen? It's lacking. Amen. Alright, let's move on. In fact, Moffat translates Jesus as saying here, you search the Scriptures Imagining that you possess eternal life in their pages, and they, do, and they do testify of me, but you refuse to come to me for life. Okay, alright, so once again, you know, it's, it's an intellectual activity for them, instead of a spiritual activity, and watch out for that. In other words, the Jews stubbornly and willfully set themselves against Jesus, even though he was eager to save them. As, as is so evident in what he says in Luke 13, 34, and that is, and we're going to see this later on, where Jesus says, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Amen. All right. So returning to John, we'll, we'll talk about all of that in great detail when we get to it. All right, Returning to John 5.40, Jesus, with Jesus having said, But you are not willing to come to me that you may have uh, life. It is most likely that the Jews began thinking to themselves, He's upset because we criticized him for breaking the Sabbath and for implying that he is equal with God. If we had only praised him because of what he did to the man at the pool of Bethesda, he would have been satisfied. That's kind of, okay? So th- that's what that's what they're thinking with relation to what he said. It it, it, it it amazes me how people that aren't switched on, the things that are going on in their head when you're preaching, you think they're thinking something and they're thinking something totally different. You know, it's a dog with a squirrel, you know? <laughs> Have you seen the dog? It keeps going and somebody goes, squirrel! And goes, <laughs> you know, and it's elsewhere; it's gone somewhere. His brain is just checked out, and I've I found that to be true, especially with people that, you know, if, if if they've got some kind of a spiritual oppression happening over their life, it's incredible how whatever uh, messages that they hear, they misinterpret it because the spirit behind them is interpreting things in a wrong way, and so they come out with a whole different message than what was actually preached. I have had first-hand experience with that. Um, and so that's why I can understand what's going on here. And what is being said here. That Jesus is, is, is sharing the truth. He's trying to bring light into this situation. But they are so deceived and their minds have been so warped that they can't hear the truth. And the truth that they hear gets twisted and turns so much it no longer reflects anything Jesus said. In fact, they're going to do this later on at a trial. They're going to say, oh, he said he's going to destroy this temple and, and you know, build it up and everything else. And he wasn't talking about the temple, he was talking about his body. You know what I'm trying to say? So they're, they're going to keep doing that, which is the reason why somewhere along the life of Jesus, suddenly he's going to switch from teaching them straight out to parables. Okay? <laughs> because he's going to, he's going to get to the place where he's going to say, if you don't want to hear, I'm not going to give you things to use against me. Because it was very much the case of anything he said would be used against him. You know, by the court of of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Anyway, so (laughs) let's get back to this. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, I love this. See, Jesus can see, you know, I think he must have been amazed at what's going on in their head. Okay, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, okay, replies, again in verse 42, he says, I know you. Replies in the next verse, in John chapter 5 and verse 41, I do not receive honor that word can be translated esteem or praise from men so in other words he's saying again let me repeat that he says i do not receive honor esteem or praise from men so he's saying i'm not looking for that from people i'm not upset because of what you did that's not a thing with me because see they would have been everything with them was ego You know, they dressed. They wanted to be honored. They wanted to be seated at the front. You know, it was all about them. About, okay, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, this party can stop because I'm here now. Okay, (laughs) what is their thinking? You know, everybody now can bow and and pay homage to me is what they're thinking. All right, and that's the reason why they did all the stuff they did for show. They gave for show. They fasted for show. They prayed for show. They did it in front of everybody and their grandmother. You know, before for show. So that they could be, you know, okay. Oh, look, it's a Pharisee. Ooh, you know that sort of a thing. And so they're thinking. That's how Jesus is thinking. Jesus is thinking. I don't think like you people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me that you know to challenge me, but listen to what I'm saying. What bo- What is bothering me is your spiritual blindness. I say something, and it amazes me how you get how wrong you get it. Are you all here? Okay. Now this was in total contrast. Here, yeah, here we go. <laughs> total contrast to the Jews, who, as Jesus will point out in verse forty-four, uh, are always looking for honor from one another, and not for listen, not for honor from God. See, that's really key. Especially since, as Jesus has already pointed out in John uh, three and verse nineteen, that these men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, that's the reason why they, they didn't want to come to the light because they didn't want to be exposed, you know, for what they were doing. And, you know, these deeds are stealing widows' inheritances and you know, doing things that were just terrible. Ripping people off, you know, in temples and whatever. They, they, they always want to do this stuff in, in, in the darkness and other things. I'm sure there were some really bad other things that I don't want to go into. Okay, all right? Um, now commenting on verse 41, uh, or John five forty-one, Leon Morris says that Jesus does not set before himself the idea of pleasing people, but that of pleasing the Father. Therefore it is nothing for him whether people praise him or not. Amen? He does not receive the glory that they might wish to bestow on him. He doesn't care. He really doesn't care. Because uh, one of the things is he knows for a fact that people can turn on you. And they're going to do that. There's going to come a time when they're the ones who are going to be yelling out, crucify him. The people that he healed, the people that he looked after, because there's going to be a point in time when they're going to try to force him to become king so that that he can um, free them from the bondage of Rome and he's not going to do it. So they're going to get very upset. You know what I'm trying to say? And (coughs) things are going to change then. But anyway, we're not there yet. Alright, back to this. He only wishes that they come to Him and be saved, or as Jesus put it in verse 40, that you may have life. That's all He's looking for. It's not their praise. He wants them to receive the life that He came to give. Amen? Jesus now traces back the Jews' failure to receive Him, God's beloved Son, to its root cause, and says in John 5.42, But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. That's a huge statement. Now, I don't have a lot of information, but I can preach a long time on that. (laughs) Okay, but I won't. But, you know, I need you to understand something here. That he says, I know you. Mm. Remember it said that Jesus knew all men? Mm. Okay, all right, And they could hide nothing from him. So he says, I know you. And he says, the thing, the problem that you're having is you don't have the love of God in you. Now, that's really key. What Jesus is letting us know here, in fact is that it is the love of God. It's not in the notes. It's the love of God that opens the door for you to receive revelation. So if you, you know, that's the reason why it says love never fails. You know, and, and of the three things, you know, the greatest is love and so on and so forth. Okay, because remember God is love. God, remember the two attributes I always say God is. Number one, He's light. Number two, His love. They're not in that order, but you know, they're the same thing. Okay? So He's light and He's love. So if anything is dark, has a darkness to it, I always say to you, reject it because it's not God. Okay? Number two, if it's, if it's outside of love and it's, it it, it, goes, it violates the rules and the laws of love, it's not God either. Are you all with me? Okay, always, always watch for that. So what, what, I'm, what he's saying here, which is really interesting, is he's saying, because you don't have the love of God in you, you can't, your hearts aren't open to receive what love is trying to explain to you. You see, the, the whole Bible was written from love. I know some of it when you read, you just think, really? But th- that's because our translations are so bad. Especially the Old Testament, man, it's just messed up. You know, I really don't recommend people reading the Old Testament because uh, you really need to learn Hebrew and read it. Can I just say that? Okay, because otherwise it's going to mess with your head. And you're going to think, why wow, goodness, wow, You know, look at this. God's just killing people and doing all sorts of bad things. And, it, you know, it, it, it's the furthest thing from a book being written by love. You know what I'm trying to say? So I'm telling you that so you just keep an eye out for that. Yeah? Okay. Uh, and it gets quite complicated as well. Hebrew is quite a complex language, which is why it's so hard for us to translate it back out in English. Okay, and I'm sure for people that uh, speak, speak a second language, there are some phrases and stuff, it just doesn't sound right in English. No matter how much you try, especially things that have a rhyme to them. You know, if you, you, you know when you say it in your language, it's really funny. You say it in English and go, oh, that's not funny. And you go, well, in English it isn't, but in my language, the way it comes out, it's funny, okay? <laughs> so, and, and that's a real problem we have with Hebrew and trying to translate the Bible. Because uh, a lot of it was written in a rhythm and a rhyme, okay? And we lose that in the English translation. Um, so anyway, that's just a little extra for you. All right, back, back to this. Uh, but so, it's... it's Notice again he says, I know you that you do not have the love of God in you. Leon Morris explains, Jesus' refusal to accept glory from the Jews is bound up with his intimate knowledge of them. This intimate knowledge enables him to say that they do not really love God. They make a profession of loving him. That means they confess it out to people that they love him. But in fact, there is no real love in their heart. It's not there, okay? This is always the case where religion is basically self-willed. The Jews worked out their pattern of religion and uh, tried to fit God into it. No, that's, that's a key statement. Okay, So they decided this is how they want it to be. See, why did they do that? Because it, they wanted that, the religion to profit them. Do you understand? Where, the, where God's saying, give, you know, you give... They want to take religion and say, See, God says to give, so you need to give to us. Get it? Okay? And so so they they want to do that and then try to fit God into all that somehow. You know, by saying, God has told you to give. See? Now, it's this, and, you know, let me just take a moment here. I have seen this happen with a lot of churches as well, where, you know, they'll put all this pressure you know on people uh, doing things you know voluntarily and giving and you know all the rest of it and then you look at and you you know you just take a moment to turn it around the other way and go what are you doing to give you are you know this is what Jesus said you put these bundles on people's back that you yourself don't carry remember that that that's just like you know an organization saying no you've got to honor god and everything else you want to turn around to them and say how are you honoring god in doing it this way how are you honoring God in extracting fees from people and, and making life miserable for people that might be you know, in financial difficulty and they want to come and do something in the church, but if you don't have the money, you're not here. Get out. That's the world. In fact, you're worse. You're saying God is the thing that's going to... you know God's not happy with you because you're not doing all the right things. And, you know what I'm trying to say? And I've, I've just heard all of these things, even from people that you know, I, I, I admired. You know, at one stage, um, that, that sort of, oh, you know, you have to go find a job, and you've got to do this. And, yeah, I'm all for that, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I just, I also think that, you know, the church needs to play a part if people are having difficulty, you know, to say, okay, look, you know what, freely we'll give. You know, we'll give. We're asking you to give, we'll give. You know, I always think lead by example. Amen? And I, I honestly believe that that's something that the Pharisees didn't do. They didn't lead by example. They took God, used him to try and get whatever they could, which is why when Jesus came along, they didn't get along. Because Jesus was freely giving. He didn't say, okay, healing's five bucks a pop. You know, who wants to get healed? Five bucks, five dollars, give it to Peter. Don't don't give it to Judas. No, <laughs> no, no, okay, no, no. But <laughs> I don't know where that boy spent the money. It just disappears. You know, got a hole in his pocket. But you know, <laughs> but Jesus didn't do that. See, and that was what the problem was because the Pharisees and the Sadducees kind of had this mentality of you know you pay for everything and we'll do stuff as you pay. And then Jesus comes along and he says, "Come to me, all that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest." And and can I add everything for free? Amen. And so when they got healed and they got delivered they thought, "Whoa, I want to give to this ministry because he never asked." They just gave. Are you all with me? Whereas, you know, with the with the with the priests and stuff, they were extracting money from the people. You know why? Cuz they got nothing in return. Just a whole bunch of confusing religion. They'd go to church confused and come out more confused. You know, that's why, Jesus, <laughs> that's why I think Jesus was just extraordinary. He never took up offerings and stuff. And He would explain things so clearly. He said, look at the birds. And He'll do a lesson on the birds. And go, "Why? Oh, I actually got that! Mabel, I got that! I actually understood for a change, something that the religious person said. And He said, look at the grass in the field. He goes, oh, I got that one too. Then He says, you know, two people build houses. And they got that one too. He's like, this is really good stuff. We're coming back here. Forget the synagogue. Which is what the problem was. Anyway. Alright. So back to this. Okay, okay. So where where'd I leave off? So the Jews worked out their pattern of religion and tried to fit God into it. They did not seek the way of God and then try to model their religious practices on it. Got it? Okay. So add it to... Do you all get it? Okay. Alright. Because, you know, let me just say this. God would have spoken to them. God would have said, this is what the word means. This is how you apply it in your life. And this is how you bless people with it. And then as you do by example, then people will start following you. Then that's what was meant to happen. Amen? Alright. Added to this, William Hendrickson also says that had there been God's love in their hearts, they would, of course, have accepted the Father's testimony concerning His Son. And why Jesus now goes in to say, in John chapter 5 and verse 43... I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. Now, we're going to stop here and come back, because I want to talk to you about a couple of things. It's quite a, a lengthy uh, discussion here, and, and revelation. So, let's take a break, but let me just say this. Remember again, that these people were looking for honor amongst themselves. Remember that? Remember that? You know, so when people come and said, oh, he quoted that famous rabbi and this person quoted that famous rabbi. And so everybody would give each other points and, you know, little stars and everything and go, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a good person. You know, we like that one because he's with that rabbi that we all love. And all. That's how it worked with them. Jesus comes and he start, doesn't talk about any rabbi. In fact, he says, uh, you've heard it being said, but I'm saying to you. And he goes, that was my rabbi who said that. I don't like this Jesus. Very bad. He's coming against my rabbi. You know, (laughs) okay? You know? Seriously, Sermon on the Mount. We're going to get to it uh, in this section. And I I want to go back over it because, I know you guys have done it. I'm sorry. But because uh, we're going to parallel Luke's account as well this time. I only did Matthew's account with you before. So we're going to run Luke's uh, account parallel to it. Uh, The reason that I didn't do it before was because it was a little complicated to do it together. Uh, but now, because we're doing the life of Jesus, I need to share both with you. Uh, because you need to understand that Matthew came from uh, a Jewish viewpoint, and, and Luke came from a Gentile viewpoint. So it's really good for you to see what all the things that Jesus said, how they apply to you and me as well. Amen. All right, we'll let's take a break there. We'll come back and we'll pick up right there uh, in, in the next session.